Hello, all you lovely night owls. If you're listening to this in the morning, pretend it's nighttime. Welcome to Philly's Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer. We are recording at night. It's almost like it's the playoffs. I'm, I'm getting that that October kind of vibe. It's it's Wednesday night. It's after 8.30 p.m. The kids are asleep, and we're talking baseball. Spring training baseball. Games have kicked off. Guys are taking the field. They're hitting home runs. They're getting some wind-aided dingers over the berm everything's kicking off and i'm feeling good i'm still feeling good i know that there's an entire month and a half's worth of of games left to play and i'm sure by the end of march i'll just be dying for the regular season to start but for now i'm still feeling as good as i was last week the games are happening nobody's gotten hurt yet just the best and here we are everybody's having fun it looks sunny down there you know who else is still down there? Mr. Matt Gelb at The Athletic. Matt, hi. How are you? Uh, I've had two beers and had some fresh fish. Uh, Ooh. I'm, uh, I'm trying to enjoy my last uh, few days here in Florida and mm-hmm. uh, ready to go home, though. Ready to go home. Well, you know, it, it, it seems like it's been a nice week for story topics for you. My goodness, it, it feels like everything you've you've had the chance to get out there on your page in what the last seven, 10 days has been great. There's Chris Sanchez who came out firing, you know, 94, 95 again, there's Paco ball, the game that's sweeping the nation seemed <laughs> to hit a pickleball court near you. And now there's Bryce Harper playing first base and looking like he's going to justify some of this early gold glove talk. It's great. There's just, you're, you hit a tic-tac-toe right away with three great topics. How, do, how does it feel to be so on fire that everything you're writing about is like the topic of the day? Does it feel good? I, I, yeah, it feels great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I especially, I mean, I, I really wanted to write about Chris Sanchez and I'm also glad that glad that Chris has caught on because now I just call him Chris and I think he's, I think he enjoys that because his name is Christopher and right. let's be clear. But um, I think he likes that, that I, I mean, I, I do this weird thing where I Americanize guys names and it's not it's really it's more jokingly um you know like uh but yeah uh I drove four hours to four fires to watch because i wanted to write about christopher sanchez and um i i kind of knew some of the stuff that we were gonna see i'd heard that he was up to 95 i i included that in like a story earlier this week and um i also knew that he was gonna start throwing a cutter which he he was super excited about mm-hmm. um and did not want uh anyone to know about it before he threw it um because he truly uh was excited about it and uh, he threw three cutters and uh, he threw 95 miles an hour. Um, he's really interesting. Um, I think he's one of like the more interesting guys in camp right now for them. Uh, and that's because the roster is mostly sad and they don't have a lot of top prospects. We've been over this, but um, he, he very much to me is like a, almost like a blank canvas here because um, we think we know, we think we kind of know what his floor is at this point. Like he's probably like a solid fifth guy. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe his floor is so, so fifth guy. Um, but I think the ceiling has been raised a little bit for him. And I'm really curious to see how this whole gambit that they're trying plays out uh, during the spring and on also into the season. 
Yeah, and for anybody who thinks, oh, being a fifth starter in the majors isn't that hard, ask David Buchanan how easy it is to stick as a fifth starter, right? Like, that's not a given. It's just not a given. You take that. But I, I think it's I think it's funny how the the Phillies are getting some of these guys to just add to their repertoires and not just like on a one off basis. You know, Zach Wheeler is is throwing a splitter now, if I remember right. He, he will once he gets on the mound. He I, yeah. he has not. I think Baby Wheeler is near or at. I mean, I All right, I did joke with him. Watch. I said I said yeah. I was like, yeah, you're gonna have a leap baby, um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's still in play i'm not sure he was not in camp today like so i do think that um you know that the, the baby's close uh, well and with how kinda... on fire you are this week you, you have to be right now like you know no, it's gonna I be a leap baby that. i don't think so <laughs> but uh yeah he's gonna try to split her you know like i it's funny because i was asking uh caleb Cotton, the pitching coach about this because he's going over all the different pitches like some guys are throwing or, or, mm-hmm. or trying out and a splitter like it is, seems to be like all the rage right across the sport this spring yeah okay um but to me there there are differences like a splitter can be a change it could be a split change you know now we're getting like really deep into pitch grips which um, i do enjoy talking about and i think it's fun um, but it might be like a little too into the weeds but it, you know a split change is to me different than like a true true splitter um which is kind of thrown more like a fastball but mm-hmm. um it sounds like his is more of like the split change kind of variety. Zach at first described it as a change up. And I think that's because he didn't want people to, to know that he was, or like to, to use splitter because then everyone's like, Oh, splitter. Like, um, so it I, does I sound more exotic. More, yeah. I think it's more like a split change, which still has splitter action. Um, it kind of depends, you know, he throws hard. So like it could be, you could probably characterize it more as a splitter because the splitter is really just, it's harder thrown. I think that's how I would characterize it. So um, the guy who I, um, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about Jose Contreras whenever anyone talks about oh, splitter wow. because Jose Contreras had um, massive hands and yeah. he threw this uh, Vulcan uh, split. I mean, he called it a Vulcan changeup, and it's really was a fork ball. It was like a variation of a fork ball, um, but it had like the <laughs> splitter characteristics and it was, and he called it the Vulcan grip. And I can't even do that with my hands. Can you do the the Vulcan V with your hands? Uh, on my left hand, yes. On my right hand, no. Which is not helpful because I'm a righty thrower. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no one is using the Vulcan grip, but uh, I I think often about the Contreras uh, fork ball. Um, but yes, we always throw in a, a splitter, uh, split change, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of different guys are trying splitters. Uh, like Gregory Soto is throwing what he calls a changeup, and Cotham called it a splitter. Uh, yeah. Again, semantics. Uh, Junior Marte said, "Yes, it is a splitter." He's playing around with. Everybody's kind of playing around with something. Michael Mercado, who you know, I've identified as a camp crush. He's throwing a splitter, and he is uh-huh. calling it a splitter. Um, but yes, uh, Sanchez is throwing a cutter, and it makes. You're right. It's not just like willy nilly with this because it does make a lot of sense if you go back and look at what. Uh, he used last year and how it played against righties and lefties. He really was a two pitch guy against righties and the two pitches were a sinker and a changeup. And that, that having only those two pitches allowed some righty hitters, I think to eliminate like the inner half of the plate 
and because they're kind of they're, they're they can kind of lean out looking for the sinker or the change up sort of similar movement profiles yeah exactly and the cutter now just does that crisscross you know we, we the roy halliday right like and greg maddox mm-hmm. was really was the one who really mastered this but that crisscross effect right that the sinker cutter um sort of mirroring those pitches uh and it, it's and when you can do it and execute well it's it is a beautiful thing and you know Sanchez is not there, obviously. Like he just started throwing his cutter uh, in the offseason and in the spring. Um, but you can see why it makes sense because it does have that sort of, um, you know, I- inward movement toward the right-handed hitter. Uh, and so now he has a sinker, a changeup, and a cutter for the righties. He has a sinker, a changeup, and a slider for lefties. The slider was not good against righties last year, and it makes sense. The left and right split, not, you know. Not, not ideal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what's amazing is that he's able to throw that changeup to lefties and righties. The left-on-left changeup never really, you know, considered an effective weapon. His was really solid uh, against lefties. Um, so you understand why he adds a cutter just to give him another option. I think it's because they're being more ambitious with him. It's like, okay, he is um, not a guy that we're trying to baby anymore. Like, why don't we think about him not being just somebody we're trying to get through a lineup twice? trying to get five innings out of him? What if he's someone who can get through lineup three times? You know, what if he needs different paths and a blueprint to get through, uh, to face a hitter, uh, you know, the same hitter three different times and or four different times and needs to find different ways to get him out? The changeup was so good for him last year, but what if we're able to find a way to not show the hitters as many changeups? You know, what if we were mm-hmm, able to put one mm-hmm. in our back pocket and use that in a third at bat? And that's what the cutter, I think, could allow him to do. It's what more velocity could allow him to do. And I, I, I fully, I think they're fully aware of the potential drawbacks of adding velocity. Um, you know, Sanchez is a guy who, you know, originally when they first acquired him, he was he was a hard thrower. You know, a guy who was like 97, 98, and, you know, legitimately had no idea where it was going. Mm. Um, truly had no idea where it was going. Some of his early you know, bullpen sessions, with the Phillies in spring training. I remember the first spring they were, they were bad. I mean, it was a lot of balls to backstop and then a bullpen session. Like what, what, you know, what is, mm. what's going on here? Like, <laughs> what is this guy? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think there's reason to believe that he can do this because he has grown into his body. Um, he added strength, even more strength over the off season. Um, the maturity level is really, I think what's, what's, taking people by surprise. I mean, he's just really um, come to his own uh, in terms of understanding his body, understanding who he is as a pitcher, uh, understanding how to attack hitters. So there's a lot to like here. And I do think they feel like if they have to dial it back again, um, they can, you know, they tore him down to the studs. You know, like, look, stop trying to throw really hard. Let's focus on, you know, this controlling your body, then controlling your pitches take off some velocity, let's throw strikes. And honestly, you can make the case, and this is, you know, I, I hate saying this, but like, he probably threw too many strikes at times last year. I mean, his raw rate was like oh. 4%. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there were probably times where he, he, he could, you know, try to throw a pitch for a chase and didn't and maybe paid for it. Mm. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Like, is he going to be able to command the ball with more velocity? Is he going to be able to get the same kind of movement on the changeup if he's throwing it two to three miles an hour harder? I think those are things that remain to be seen, but I also knowing how the Phillies have uh, modernized and improved their pitching program. I I feel like these are things they have considered uh, when making this change. I I think what's going to be really key is 
the point you made about getting through lineups multiple times, because we talk about innings totals and specifically with guys like Ranger and Chris Sanchez, who don't have a high, you know, career high in, in season innings, right? We don't have a bunch an abundance of guys who can pitch 200 innings. And a lot of it normally comes back to health and availability innings as a reflection of a guy's ability to stay on the field just first and foremost. But another factor goes into it, and that's getting those extra outs within the starts that you do have. It's not all simply about being on the field. It's about being that much more effective while you are on the field in these starts. You know, you can't hide Chris Sanchez with an option this year. You can't send him down to mitigate some of this workload. Your whole entire rotation, as it stands right now, is fully locked in without that flexibility. Maybe there's a chance you could say, okay, if something comes up in July where you feel like you have to rein Sanchez in a little bit, then you flip him to the bullpen and put somebody else in there for a couple of starts. I don't know exactly how that would work, but you're not sneaking this guy through waivers now. You can't just freely send him down to mitigate that workload. So it's extra important that while he is healthy, Sanchez in particular right now, that he finds a way to get those extra outs within the games. You know, not only does it save some of your bullpen's bullets, but, you know, it gets you through more outs. It lets you rack up some more. It lets you be the guy who can prove to everybody, yeah, all right, I can be a full season starting pitcher. It does take more than two pitches to do that. And I think, you know, if we have somebody who proves himself to be coachable, who proves himself to be willing to, you know, you mentioned, you know, going down to the studs and like starting over, like th- there are significant changes that that had to be made. If this is a guy who comes over flamethrowing and now we're talking a little more finesse where, you know, sitting at 94 is adding velocity to a potentially concerning level based on the amount his stuff moves yeah like, that's not, what yeah, the right, right. he's about. not right he's not going to go back to throwing 97 98 yeah like i think they're that that's not that's not on the table i don't even know if he could physically do it yeah um yeah i mean we're talking about adding you know to get to like basically what is the major league average for fastball velocity now right yeah yeah no it, it's good it's just it's part of the evolution it's part of what you need to prove in order to say yes i am a a major league starting pitcher i can make my you know, we'll say 27, 28 starts a little bit lesser in the fifth start, fifth starter position. And that's great. More velocity you know? is always good as long as he can command it. And I know that's exactly. a big, that's a big caveat. I, I think though, I, I understand, like, I think it's worthwhile to, to see, like, yes. it's like, can he do it? And if he can't, we know that we have a, you know, we know we can dial him back. Exactly. And now we've also, and, and we've also can keep the cutter and we, and we know that that's a, a fourth pitch for him. Speaking of, can he do it? Uh, the hot new focus right now, for me anyway, I'm throwing all of my weight behind this, is Bryce Harper as a first base gold glove candidate. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Uh, if you were watching today, Wednesday, he took the field for the first time this spring, made a couple nice plays, said after uh, the game, and Matt pointed this out in one of his stories too, a, a theme of being prouder of, of some of the smaller things like being in the right position on balls and in play into the outfield, making sure guys touch first base, things that you don't normally think like, oh, yeah, first baseman needs to check for that. <laughs> um, Matt, look, I'm telling you, uh, Gold Glove is kind of a reputational award. You need to 
build up that sort of national rapport with the talking heads like you and me who talk about the game and kind of get guys names out there as a serious contender for certain awards. You know, we're trying to, there is an effort on my part from like the fan perspective to build up Ranger Suarez's reputation to be a gold glove winning pitcher, you know, Rawlings is arbitrary innings pitched things and thresholds aside. Now though, Bryce Harper, he, he has a reputation. We, Bryce Harper doesn't need to build up any sort of reputation. I don't care if he's going back to playing catcher. You, he's just, he's carrying enough uh, cachet into a, a new position that we don't really need to talk about building that up. If, if there is one thing that can be like, all right, this hasn't happened before. Nobody on this team has done X thing. What would I like to see that's just like brand new on this team? I think I'm going to put my weight behind Harper winning a gold glove at first base because why the hell not? Then that's where I am right now. <laughs> sure. He, he's played a couple yeah. innings. <laughs> that's what we have to I'm, go on. But I'm saying, yeah. I mean, I, I think where he can help the most uh, is by, is by helping his infielders. Uh, you know, if he, if he, if he does prove to be an above average first baseman, which I, I really do think he can be, mm-hmm. um, you know, what we'll see is that he'll he'll save some some errors from his from his other infielders, you know some some errant throws or you know that he's able to pick out or maybe just make some athletic plays at first base on a throw that's maybe you know high and wide. He picks you know he grabs it and he's able to you know still get back on the base uh, to get the out because he's athletic. Right. Um, do do you know that the Phillies? How many Gold Gloves do you think the Phillies have won at first base in the franchise's history? At at first base. Yes, first baseman gold gloves in Philly's history. Uh, I'm not going to be able to look this up quickly enough. I really have. I don't want you to look it up. I want you. I want you to guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I'm sorry. I I probably just made it seem like I cheated on all these things. No, Um, no. I I was going to say zero. My initial thought was to say zero. Is it zero? It looks like it's one. Oh, who did it? Looks like. Bill White in 1966 won a gold glove at first base. Bill White. All right. Now I am going to look things up. I wasn't cheating. I swear to God. What was the year? 1966. 1966. 276, 352 on base, 451 slug, 22 homers, 103 RBIs, 16 stolen bases. What are the 1966 Phillies? What was the record? 87 and 75 led by Gene Mock. Okay. Playing at Connie Mack Stadium during the peak yeah, of the Dick one Allen one of years. The last years. Yeah. This looks like a pretty good team. Why I'm unfamiliar. Bill, Bill White, White. My apologies. That's I'm it. unfamiliar. The only first baseman, the only first baseman to win a gold glove in Philly's history. Wow. Check that out. Oh, he, wow. He won a bunch of them. Okay. So there you go. Re- reputation probably played a part in that. He comes into it two, four, six. He had won six straight gold gloves with the Cardinals before coming over to the Phillies and then picking up his seventh. I mean, Bill White was known for his years with the Cardinals. I honestly did not know he played for the Phillies. I'm not going to lie. He also is still alive. Uh, He is 90 years old. From Lakewood. Florida. Not Lakewood, New Jersey. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, no, there you go. Yeah, he, he only, yeah, he played three years for the Phillies. I did not know he played for the Phillies. I I know him from, I think he's like, he, he had some great years for the Cardinals. Yeah. I, yeah, he's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am only passingly familiar. I, 
my apologies to Bill White for early 60s is kind of like a gap for me. I think in, you know, my immaculate great answers usually avoid the late 50s and early 60s guys. I just I, I can't keep them straight. So Bill White, my apologies. No, but I guess that makes sense that it really is only just that low of a number because it certainly hasn't been in this modern era. You know, you think back to to Ryan Howard, who didn't quite have the defensive reputation. Uh, Reese Hoskins did not have the defensive reputation. Rico Bronia was okay, but I guess not quite good enough to merit gold glove consideration. And then it's just kind of like, yeah, I no, I, I guess that makes sense. Well, hey, you know what? If it's been 60 years, <laughs> why not now? Sure. That's just another reason. You feel, you feel like it's it, time. Right? You feel yeah. like it's time. <laughs> He's yeah. due. We're due. The franchise is due. No, I, the, the sneaky thing. How about how about an all gold glove right side of the infield? I mean, See? the only second baseman in Philly's yes. history to win a gold glove was Manny Trio. Yes. Manny won it. A he couple times, three, three I think. He probably right? won yeah. it three times. Okay. He won I, I think one was it, yeah. probably in the early 80s, probably 1980. No? Yeah, this one I am looking up again. He won three gold gloves with the Phillies. Yeah. And I was actually thinking okay. along those second baselines that the Phillies could be a surprising gold glove contending team with, it. you know, if Harper plays up the way they're talking him up. Bryson Stott is very clearly a very good defensive second baseman. We don't really need to talk about the other side of the infield, but there's Johan Rojas out in center field and JT Real Muto behind home plate, plus Ranger Suarez out on the mound. That, if you squint... They have the reigning reigning gold glove winner at pitcher. That's right. Zach Wheeler picked it up. Yes, exactly. Okay, so there you go. If you squint, and maybe you don't even need to squint that hard, that's (laughs) six gold glove contenders. And who knows what Brandon Marsh could do in left field if he plays regularly. Although he might split too much time for the vote. I, I don't know. But this is a team who's carried, who's been maligned on defense, and it won't be pretty everywhere. But this is a team that's been maligned on defense for a while that could field a number of serious contenders. I don't think they're going to win six gold gloves. Well, no, I don't think so either. I guess that would be cool. If they won two, that would be rather notable, I think. Yeah. 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 They probably have the best fielding. This is actually somebody did comment on this when we were on the backfields watching PFPs. And like, they probably do have the best fielding pitching staff in baseball. Like, they had two gold glove finalists, and one of them won it Wheeler and Walker. And probably the best fielding pitcher wasn't a gold glove finalist in the staff. And that's Ranger. That's right. I didn't even mention Taiwan. There you go. It's they're overflowing with. (laughs) <laughs> these top defensive kid. It's, it's well, but it's this funny. this speaks to no, but I mean this speaks to like you know we're 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 talking about like okay this is like you know almost like the uh, it's a very similar roster to the roster that they fielded a year ago, uh-huh. uh, but there are there are there are meaningful changes and you know having a better defense over the course of six month season, you know not having Kyle Schwarber in left field every day, yeah. um, that that could be a rather significant. Uh, development to the bottom line right of runs allowed and um outset you know pitches saved for your 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 pitchers you know shorter innings um you know we'll see what they end up going with in the outfield but you know if we if we think it's going to be rojas and marsh at least to start for the first few months um you know they they and, and harper at first base uh you know they they, they could be and I'm not saying they're going to be a plus defensive team. Yeah. There are certainly holes, you know, right field and third base and shortstop, big question marks there. You know, catcher, like, you know, there was some regression there. You know, can he be, can Real Muto be better uh, framing and just 
um, you know, in general behind the plate. Um, but yes, I agree with you. I mean, there are reasons to believe that this defense will be better, uh, and and that will uh, really only help them. And it's funny, right? Because it's not what we think about when we think about this franchise. No, no, not at all. One game though that I don't even think. Bobby Dickerson has a defensive strategy figured out for though is a game that you wrote about again earlier this week sweeping Clearwater (laughs) it's Paco ball not pickleball no 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 don't get it twisted Paco ball the pickleball like game where you have to play with your offhand let the ball bounce at least once and team up using verbal communication to strategize and beat your opponent. Matt, I want to play Paco Ball. How can I play Paco Ball? <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I think it's a fun spring story because, you know, the, the, this group of guys, like it is, it's a lot of the same guys. Like, you know, some, often spring training is spent, you know, getting to know, you know, the, you know, forming chemistry and getting to know each other and getting a feel for, you know, how a guy reacts in certain situations or who to trust and who not to trust. And, um, you know, they know all that, right? I mean, they know this group. Um, And spring training is really long. (laughs) It's like too long, probably. Um, There's still like 27 Grapefruit League games left in the schedule. This is too many. And the days are pretty monotonous. So, like, I think it's, it's, you know, credit to Paco Figueroa, uh, the first base coach who, also oversees the outfielders. Um, I've thought numerous times that that uh, that Figueroa would take a different job um, or get a promotion. I guess you know from another team. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's taking interviews in, in pre you know in previous off seasons, but um, I also think the Phillies have taken care of him, even though his his job hasn't changed. But good. Um, I think he's I think he's really sharp. Um, I, I know that his outfielders uh, you know really listen to him and respect him and. Um, you know, he's close with Castellanos. They're both, uh, you know, Miami natives and they, they spent some time together in the off seasons and, um, you know, Paco often has to listen to, you know, Nick's kind of crazy ideas. And one of Nick's crazy ideas was coming into camp was like, give me something fun. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> Paco took that challenge and he was like, okay. And, <clears throat> you know, pickleball was big. Pickleball was apparently really big in Miami. Uh, apparently a big thing in Miami. I've never played pickleball. Have you played pickleball, Paul? I have. Ba- honestly, back before it was popular, I played it in like wow, middle school. Wow, wow. Indie. You're class. an indie pickleball. That's right, baby. I got the cred. <laughs> before it was cool. I haven't played it since, though. I'm sure I'm terrible at it. Uh, but I think the coolest drills, uh, whether it's a spring drill or regular season drill, is the drill that... Uh, is doing things for you that you don't even know because you're having fun doing it. And these guys, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's cardio involved, like they're working up a sweat in the morning. There's communication involved. Like you mentioned, like they Paco wants three on three often. And so it's a left fielder, a center fielder, right fielder, basically, and you're communicating with each other about whose ball it is. And then there is actually some glove work skills involved because they're using their non-dominant hand, which is really funny to watch. Uh, because some guys are exceptional with their non-dominant hand, and then sometimes they'll switch it up just to like mess around. They'll play with their dominant hand. So, for example, Johan Rojas is unbelievable with his non-dominant hand, his glove hand, right? 
you know, you're trying to practice, you're trying to simulate, you know, fielding a, a ground ball or short hop on the grass, you know, almost like coming up with it, right? Like you, you're the sweeping motion, you know, down to up if you're, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm doing it with my arm right now. We don't have the video component yet oh. to our, our podcast, um, but you know what I'm talking about. I do. But then they switch it up and Rojas was using his dominant hand and he was terrible at the game with his really? dominant hand, which is, which was so funny to me. And, and to Paco, this is like, yes, this is perfect. I mean, like he wants to, to, you know, you don't want to like, you know, when you're fielding a ground ball with your golf hand, you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to be too aggressive or too hard with it because you're going to bobble it or it's going to pop out of your glove. And so he's like, look, there, there is an art to it with your non-dominant hand. You want to place the ball in the square, right? In Paco ball. It's just like you want to gracefully field the ground ball. Um, so, you, you know, you have to, you're stretching your imagination a little bit here, but there are real sure. applications for this game. Um, and if anything, it's a competition. And, you know, being around professional athletes now I have for the last 14 years, um, these guys will literally make anything a competition. And if there is a competition, they want to be involved. And so like now the infielders are trying to get on this game and it's just, sure. it's very funny to watch. There's side bets happening. It's just very funny <laughs> to watch how these guys have started to take it so seriously. And it's like a great activity to just break up the monotony of spring training. So if that's if that's all it accomplishes then it's already accomplished enough but it, i do think it has even more um uh, that stems from it you know the reading this story on what is it on unlocked a core memory for me right you know that that thing where you did something long ago in the past or you've forgotten completely about something you have no reason to think about it in the course of your day-to-day -day life but reading this story I remember back to my childhood on the fields at the complex at the Cherry Hill Atlantic Little League in South <laughs> Jersey. Um, for those who aren't familiar, and you know there may be only a couple of you listening to this who are familiar, and that's totally fine. Uh, the Cherry Hill Atlantic Little League is this sprawling complex of at least four or five Little League baseball fields of varying size for different levels, right adjacent to open fields for soccer and and other you know uh large grassy activities right and i spent a lot of time there as a kid so we're talking well, <laughs> 25 to 30 years I'm gonna, oh, oh, no. oh no anyway um there was a time and my game never caught on it was not paco ball it was not paul ball um but it, there were there were these empty uh, small goal frames that were on parts of the fields at this complex. They were just, they, they were metal tubes that were, you know, welded or screwed together and affixed in the ground steady um, that were probably there and meant to have netting attached to them. But instead, most of the time just sat as, you know, empty square frames. What I like to do, like it breaks in practice or, or during a warm up or something, because these were right near some of the fields, I would try and get somebody to come over with me and throw like one hoppers at this goal to try and get it by me while I worked on, you know, what I equated at the time to being like a hockey goalie and doing like glove saves and things. Cause I was, I was really into hockey back when I was that young too. And it was just fun. It was just a different way to warm up. It was a different way to try and, you know, see some of these short hops or, you know, 
things that you can't easily simulate. There, there were a couple of coaches that had a fungo bat, but you weren't always getting that kind of practice at little league. You know, when you're eight, nine, 10, 11 years old back then, it just, it wasn't always <laughs> happening that way, but hearing this game and, you know, reading about this game reminded me of that. It reminded me of trying to find the fun in this and trying to, uh, you know, just have this entertainment level where otherwise there becomes monotony you do the same thing over and over again? It gets old, especially for, you know, these professional athletes who have been doing this far longer than I did by the time I was 11 years old, it, the monotony hits quickly. And so if you're able to do this and build some camaraderie at the same time, that's fantastic. And along these lines, okay, just a second here, because I made the mistake of reading the comments in your story. And the second comment <laughs> is emblematic of just a lot of stuff I, I hate these days. You know, and you see this with that the Instagram reel algorithm too. Whenever you if you ever use Instagram, you watch a video on there or a reel, you watch it to the end, it highlights a comment. And the algorithm that Facebook has in there is it always wants to put something that's got high engagement up there. And so it's usually something dumb and inflammatory just to get your blood boiling like mine is right now. Well, this worked because there's somebody who looks like they've since deleted their account or at the very least changed their name. Their comments said, maybe Paco can come up with a game that teaches plate discipline. That is not fun. Shut up. <laughs> Let a fun story be. Just take a breather. Go outside, look at a bird, Let, just pick up a blade of grass, do something other than be miserable to the point where you feel like you have, if you meant for this to be a joke, it landed flat, work on it. Okay. Maybe this was you workshopping a joke and it just didn't, I don't think that was it though. I'm not going to give you that benefit of the doubt. Leave yeah, it in I mean, your pocket. I get it. Leave it in I your pocket. It. I mean, it's not. It's not a story for everybody. I get it. Um, then don't come yeah, it. God. Yeah. <laughs> Could just go outside. Yeah, but he, he, he or she, he or she accomplished. You know their goal. They got you. They got you upset. I. This is the one time out of thousands and thousands where I will let it out because I hope it serves as some kind of deterrent to somebody else who might be on the fence. I'm not going to be able to help all of you. I know some of you are just well beyond the pale and well beyond help. And are just going to be mad about everything and just find a way to make some dumb comment on anything happy. Okay. And hopefully if you're listening to us, you're not in this group anyway. But I saw that and I'm just like, man, uh, we, we need to I stop. Do, we need to stop doing that. Just stop. I do think there there is somewhat of a disconnect at times. And I think most fans, especially fans who are listening to us, most likely, you know, have a feel for like, you know, how the players and teams treat, you know, like spring training. Um I'm not saying they don't take it seriously, but it's not, uh, you know, it really is. <laughs> I mean, a lot of guys really are just trying to like, make sure they get their work in and don't get hurt. And like, again, I'm not saying they're not taking this seriously, but, um, you know, there's guys who are fighting for jobs, no doubt, you know, it's important for them. It's their livelihood, but, um, you know, there's, there's really not, uh, they, teams are not spending a lot of time like focusing on, you know, the results from these games, uh, very yeah. little time, especially this time of year in spring. It's like right. literally like, did anybody get hurt? <laughs> like, you know, is somebody Truly. trying a new pitch, you know, is somebody trying a swing adjustment? They're focusing on that, especially in this Phillies camp. It's like, you know, we know our roster generally, um, you know, are there guys who are trying to get 2% better, you know, 1% better, 
by adding a new pitch, by making a swing change, by trying something different, by experimenting with this. And this spring is definitely a chance for that, for the Phillies. Um, and that's, I, I do think there's been a little bit of fun for me to sort of dig into some of that. Yeah. Um, but largely, um, you know, it, it, it is a lot of nothing. I hate to say that. I hate to say that to anyone who's really living and dying by some of this yeah. stuff. Um, it's a lot of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for giving me the chance to to take a breath there of my own. Um, <laughs> that, no, that that's a very that's a very measured way of looking at it because from the outside, with everything re- related to professional athletics, it, it can appear that any semblance of <laughs> chicanery, I love that word, but like if you're messing around, right, messing around, having fun uh, off menu. That something like that gives the appearance of like not taking something seriously. And, and I get that from the outside, people can look at that and be a little bit ruffled and all right, fine. But that you're right. That's just not how that's not how it works. They need things like this. They need things like this that don't always necessarily just solely focus black and white X's and O's on their swing type or the routes they take, you know, directly practicing these things, shagging fly balls in the field or or taken fungo sometimes it takes this shape sometimes it looks like this like paco ball sometimes paco ball is the way around taking you know shag and fly balls for the 500th time in a spring <laughs> you know and it the, yeah. the you just yeah. need to recognize it we just need to recognize it and i think that's all i'm trying to get at i'm calm i'm calm my hands are up I'm good <laughs> you, can, you can stop restraining me I'm fine. Okay, Matt, I, I think that'll about take us to the end of this particular update. Anything else stick out in the games? How much have you been watching? I, I've been watching some. It's hurt to not have even data on some of these things, you know, some of these parks where there hasn't been a video broadcast. Yeah, you know, the parks that don't have Florida State League teams, there's no stack cast. Yeah, that, that's been a little tough to be in a total black hole here in the year. 2024 where you figure we were i think the phillies would prefer they turn the stack cast off when they're playing the home games so they're not allowed to oh that's interesting well i guess well, i mean at least turn it off it. so that we exactly so we can't yeah, see yeah, it yeah. okay i mean that's fine <laughs> i mean look it, it, spring is what spring is the results don't matter you hear that from people all the time how guys look kind of matters really the thing that matters 100 percent is that everybody stays healthy and if you get to the end Let's of the start spring, looking like, at, yeah, I don't even think how guys look right now matters. It's February 20th. No. You know, like I, I, I think like, <clears throat> excuse me, come mid March. Yeah. Your guy, yeah. like you want to see your guys rounding into shape. Yeah. Like Jeff Hoffman today, like definitely was not his best. His first outing was way better. The boss, he was down today. He's like, yeah, he's just like, didn't feel great today. It's like, is this kind of like a dead arm? He's like, I also like, I do think um, it is interesting. Matt Strom, I thought gave me what will be my favorite quote of the spring, which was like, um, and I'm not going to get exaggerated. He was like the best. He said the best shit that athletes do, um, they're not thinking about. And he's like, that's why I'm like so much better as a reliever is because like during the season, he does not know when he's going to pitch. But in the spring, and, and he and he was talking about Jeff Hoffman in this example. He's like Jeff was a failed starter, you know, a top prospect, and just you know, it just didn't work for him. And you know, it was implying that there might be some anxiety leading up to every fifth day, like knowing that you're going to take the mound that day and you better be good. Um, Hoffman definitely is digging to like the reliever mentality um, during the season. You don't know when you're going to pitch. You don't know when any, you, you know, when you're going to be called upon um, in the spring you, as a reliever, you know, when you're going to pitch. And a lot of guys, it is like literally just going through the motions and getting to work in until you get to like with about 10 days left in the spring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, well, that makes that makes as much sense as it can to me, somebody from the outside. And I'm glad it does work like that for Jeff Hoffman because he was a revelation. And hopefully that keeps working this year. No, I, I think if anything, it's nice to see the usual spring training stars, um, Alec Bowman, Scott Kingery, get off to hot starts. They always look good. It's yeah, just, Scotty, it's reassuring. Yeah. It's reassuring. It's comforting. Scotty's I played, like I think he's already played five positions. <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfect. It's great. I'm still so into it. I'm just trying to ride this for as long as I can, because like you said, uh, March 12th is going to come here quickly. And like, that's going to hit the wall. Um, no, but this is great. Matt Kroon. What's on, what's on looking March 12th? Kroon. Oh, I just picked a date out of thin air because I feel oh, okay. <laughs> like right in the middle there. It feels like, okay, you're about two weeks out from the start of no, I mean, the regular I'm season. I'm already ready for the regular season. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start it. Start it up. You didn't talk about Ken Giles. I thought you were going to talk about Ken Giles. We, so. we don't need to talk about Ken Giles. I'm happy Ken Giles is healthy. You like my theory, though. I texted you during the game, right? Yes, do you, you did. Do you buy my theory? Do you buy my theory? That that they were throwing him a bone to make sure he makes the roster so they can tee off on him during the season. Yes, I love it. It's a long, it's a long con. <laughs> it's, it's five-dimensional chess, and I'm here for it. No, seriously, though, good for Ken Giles. I, I, I hope he makes it through a season healthy wherever he ends up. Um, ideally not with Atlanta, if that's how it's going to go. Hopefully he carves it up for somebody else and far away from here. Um, just so I don't have to feel bad about teeing off on him. Anyway, that'll bring us to the end of this episode. Nowhere near the end of spring training though. <laughs> Ladies and gents and folks out there, we got, we got more of these games to go, baby. Uh, lots more random performances to get excited or disappointed about. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Um, safe trip home for you at the end of this week. Um, yes, I'll be coming home for a few weeks and, uh, yeah, I'll still be writing a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna bring some stuff home with me, but yes, I will not be in Florida. We are, our paths. We, we will be ship, uh, ships in the night. Yes. You're coming to Florida. Yeah. I, I am my first ever spring training in person. I will be there next weekend. Very excited. My dad and I doing a little, little That's father awesome. son trip action. Feels great. Uh, yeah, he, awesome. he's, he hasn't done this either, or at least not in a really long time. So he's really excited. We're pumped, man. going to bring my camera, get some shots, <laughs> feel good about it. All right. That'll do it. Another one of our patented long wrap ups again, Matt safe travels home. Thanks for all the good stuff this week. Um, obviously provided nice fodder for us to talk about. Um, still have a month of games to go. That's fine. Bear down. <laughs> Enjoy what you can. <laughs> bear down yeah just just hunker down just just get ready a month from today a month from today is opening day march 28th yep enjoy leap day tomorrow uh for those of you out there who celebrate and matt and i will be back with you at some point again next week um we'll figure something out i think i think matt i think what we should do during march is that russell carlton uh, uh, thought exercise of drafting a year a player season for each position on the team we'll talk more about that later that, that's what we call in the industry a tease look forward to that at some point in march all right enough out of me matt thank you again safe trip home at the end of this week all of you out there thanks for hanging with us we'll be back with you again next week with more of whatever the last 40 minutes was format <laughs> I am Paul. Take care. We'll catch you next time.